0: chapter 11 verse 23 through 31 and we've been analyzing what it means to have faith and the book of Hebrews is the most fam- uh the chapter 11 of Hebrews is the most famous chapter in the Bible on faith and so we're going to be looking at the faith of Moses hear the word of the Lord by faith Moses when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. The word of the Lord. Be to God. God. His name was Francesco Scatino. Born near Naples in 1960, he came from a wealthy seafaring family. He graduated from the well-regarded Nino Viccio Nautical Institute near Naples, and he joined the Costa Crociere shipping line in 2002 as a staff officer. He steadily worked up the ranks, being promoted to captain in 2006. And he currently, or recently, commanded the pride of the fleet, the Costa Concordia. Probably none of us had heard of Francesco uh, Scatino until recently, when he beached the cruise ship with 4,600 passengers on an island off the coast of Italy, creating a giant gash in the ship by getting too close to the rocks. If that wasn't dangerous enough, bad enough for a sea captain, He has come under fire by the entire nation of Italy, in fact, the entire world, for doing the unthinkable, abandoning the ship before all of the passengers were taken off. Scatino claimed that he tripped and (laughs) fell into a lifeboat and somehow could not extricate himself. Scatino obviously is under suicide watch, I mean, here is a man, a sea captain, in the very Time when his people on the ship needed him most, essentially repudiated all that he was. His family, all that he had learned to be in that time of trial, Scatino failed. Well, it's easy to condemn Scatino, isn't it? What was he thinking? he, He should have known better. He shouldn't have left his post. But we have to ask our question, what would we have done if we were in the same situation? Now, granted, none of us are sea captains, so we can't put ourselves in his situation. But maybe think about your own life. Think about your own situations where you were called to step up, man up, or woman up, and be the person that you knew you were supposed to be when you failed. Maybe you took those vows in front of all those people. I will be there in sickness and health, better or worse, richer or poor, till death do us part and yet, you weren't able to keep those vows when the pressure became too great. What about this, that, you know, I, I told myself that I'd stop going back to him because he, I know he's not good for me, and yet you find yourself again and again putting yourself in that situation that you know that you're better than. What about this, I told my kids that I'd cut back on my hours That I would change as a father, that I would be the person, the father that I knew I wanted to be, and yet I find myself doing the very same thing that I said I wouldn't be. It's easy to condemn Scatino, but we have to honestly look at ourselves. You know, the question before us today is this simply, how am I to be the me that I know that I'm supposed to be? How can I be the person when things get tough, When the ship gashes against the rocks, how can I stand in the face of adversity and be the person that I know that God is calling me to be? See, the truth of the matter is the life that we're looking for isn't out there, is it? The life we're looking for is really in here. I love Jim Carrey's quote here. I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they could see that it's not the answer. The life that we are looking for is the life of being the people that we are called to be as we look into the mirror and as we look into the face of God. How are we going to be able to live that life? The answer, according to this passage, is faith. Faith is the key to living the life that we want. And this story here is the story of a person learning to live by faith. Moses, who was a man just like us, in fact, there's an evolution of faith, a revolution that we all must go through if we want to live a life of faith. It consists of three parts. Number one, leaving, letting go of the old plan that we have for our life so that we can embrace God's plan for our life. Number two, letting go of ourselves so we can embrace Christ's life within us. And then finally, letting go of our old mission. So that we can embrace God's mission for us and so my hope is for the next three hours in this sermon that we will go ahead and look through this evolution first letting go of the old plan and embracing God's plan so let's look at the text here in Hebrews in the beginning verse 23 by faith Moses when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the reward. Get a little background on on, uh, Moses. I don't have my flannel graph here, but hopefully we can remember our Sunday school. The Israelites had gone into Egypt... Joseph had brought them in, and they had been in favor with Egypt, uh, with the Pharaohs. But as time went on, the Pharaohs forgot about the Israelites. All they saw was a people that was multiplying and multiplying and multiplying, and they became afraid of the Israelite people. And so they enslaved them, and they began to uh, uh, deal shrewdly with them. In fact, Pharaoh had issued an edict that any male child that was born to an Israelite woman was immediately to be killed to be cast into the Nile. And so it's in this climate of fear that Moses is born. And his parents, seeing that this child was beautiful, in the Hebrew it's actually extraordinary, they had a sense that there was something about this child, that they could not do that, they could not contravene God's law, and so they hid him. But there became a certain point when they could no longer hide him, and so they had to put him in the hands of God and so they made this basket if you'll remember they coated it with pitch and they went ahead and they sent it off remember the story Pharaoh's daughter is bathing and she sees it coming along and she picks up this baby and she decides to raise this baby as her own in fact we see that this baby Moses is called the son of Pharaoh that's very important Because in this culture, much like in the ancient Roman culture, when you took a child in and called them your son, it's actually a legal designation. Moses was legally adopted as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now commentators have looked at this and they've come to a conclusion. We never hear about, in ancient history, any other sons of this Pharaoh. So it is very quite possible that Moses was to be the next king after Pharaoh died, for he only had a daughter. Moses was not to be the prince of Egypt, the king of Egypt. He was raised an Egyptian. He was raised to rule. He had a life that was set. Remember, Pharaoh was like God, and so Moses was like God in training, if you will. He had everything set except for one problem. At some point, he figured out that he was a Hebrew and not an Egyptian he realized that he was a Hebrew. And as he studied, as he learned about the Hebrew people, his people, he realized that they were God's people, that God had a plan for them, that God was going to send them out to a new land, and that through them, the world was gonna be blessed. And so there was a disconnect in Pharaoh's life between the life he had and the life that he was called to live. And so he had to make a decision. He could either live at the expense of these people who would build cities in which he would live, or he could do something about it. And so one day, Moses made a decision. Exodus 2, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and he hid him in the sand. See, in that instant, he turned his back on his inheritance. He turned his back on all who he was, and he embraced God's will for his life. And this was with great consequence, because we see that the word got back to Pharaoh, didn't it? The game was up. And in that instant, he lost his title. He lost his identity. He lost his family. He had to flee for his life out into the desert where he spent 40 years wandering around. How could Moses have made this faithful decision? It was by faith. Look at 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, made a decision that the rewards of God were greater than all the treasures that he would have by becoming Pharaoh. He decided to live by faith. He took a step and began walking in the path that God had for him. I remember when I left ministry in 99 with Young Life and I made a quiet decision to myself that I'd never go into ministry again. You know, ministry kind of beats you up sometimes and I wanted to be one of those rich people that gave a lot of money to ministries, which I think is a much better way to go. So I ran away from ministry and I'm busy doing my business thing and trying to be successful and so forth and you know, we're, we're at the nicest country club in Virginia Beach and we're having a great time. When I start to hear that quiet voice of God, you were meant for something else. There's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong. It just wasn't the path that God had for me. And the voice got louder and louder no matter how much I tried to drown it out. And you see, there comes a point in your life when you've got to make a decision when you look in the mirror. Am I going to walk by my path or am I going to walk by God's? So I remember sitting down with Lee Allen at the dinner table and us looking at our finances and saying, Okay, let's go for it. And what followed were years and years of studying and watching God work in a miraculous way to make our finances work as I walked along that path that God had for me. See, the question we have to ask is, where do we get the courage to live as we should? To say no to the world so that we can say yes to God. You're hanging out with your high school buddies. You're going somewhere and you end up in a place you shouldn't be. And they want to do something that you know you shouldn't do. How do you have the courage to stand up? You made a decision in terms of how far you were willing to go morally in terms of your relationship with that boy or girl. And they're pressuring you to go past where you're comfortable. How do you make a decision to stand your ground when your boss comes to you and says, We're going to change your job description and here are the things that I want you to start doing now. And you know they're incompatible with who you are called to be as a person. When you look in the mirror, what is the person that you see? See, some of us, as we're hearing this, may have wandered away from the path. May have silenced those voices of God. We've got this thing all figured out. But the reality, my friends, is this. That you will not live the life that you really want until you're walking the path that God has called you to walk upon. You can change. How? Faith. Faith that God has a plan for your life. And the way that we do that is by taking a step. The reality is we have to trust the captain more than we trust the root. Because Christ is the only captain that can lead us near the island, but not gash us on the rocks. Where is God calling you right now to take a step of faith in your life? Where is God calling you to align your life with His so that you can experience the rewards that He has for you? The first step is to take the step. Well, this leads me to my second point, that if we have to let go of the old plan to embrace God's plan, we have to let go of our old life so we can embrace Christ's life. See, this journey was just the beginning for Moses. Moses took matters into his own hands, didn't he? He looked left and right, and he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump. I'm going to take this leap of faith. See, Moses embraced God's plan, but he didn't embrace God's ways. I mean, think about it. Why was Moses guilty here? You know, why did they want to kill Moses? Pharaohs kill people all the time. It wasn't a big deal. Moses was guilty because he was fomenting an insurrection. Moses was fomenting a rebellion. <laughs> he had a plan. Uh, Exodus 2:13. It shows that he went out the next day, and behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said, "Why do you strike your companion?" And the man answered, "Who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian?" See, Moses had a plan. He was going to lead. He was the guy that was going to lead these people out. It was God's calling on his life. He embraced God's plan, but he didn't embrace God's ways. See, Moses saw himself as a deliverer, but the Hebrews saw him as a murderer. Moses saw himself as a Hebrew, but the Hebrews saw him as an Egyptian. And so predictably, Moses taking things into his own hands, things got out of control. Moses had to leave and leave in a hurry. And he had to spend the next 40 years in the desert, wandering around, pondering what went wrong. Living with the disappointment of his life. He had a vision. He was the guy trained to rule, second in command of Egypt. Why didn't it work out, God? Why did God let him wander? Why did God not let his plan succeed? The reality is that Moses had to get to the end of himself. He had to get, he had to come to grips with his own helplessness. So he could embrace Christ's competence. See, faith is where you end and Christ begins. Moses had to get to that point. We want to go ahead and we want to change all the conditions around us. We're looking for a better plan. God is looking for a better man or woman. Life is where we come to trust that God has the plan and God has the life. It's been said that Moses spent the first 40 years of his life learning that he was a somebody. Spent the next 40 years of his life learning that he was a nobody. And then he spent the final 40 years of his life learning what God can do with a nobody. Along the way, a key transformation began to occur in Moses' life. In verse 14, 27, it says something very interesting. It says he left Egypt... Not being afraid of the king's anger. There's only one problem with that. Doesn't say that at all in Genesis 2.14. He answered, remember the story, Who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you kill the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid. Surely the thing is known. And Pharaoh heard it, but Moses fled from Pharaoh. He was afraid. He was not afraid. How do we reconcile these two things? The way we reconcile is through faith. Because there are really two perspectives on our lives and on Moses'. There's the perspective of man and then there's the perspective of God. See, Moses put faith in God just an inch and God made up all of the rest. God was there to be what Moses could not be. God gave Moses the courage that he did not have to leave this life and to go and embrace the path that God had for him. See, faith is not the absence of fear. It's courage to act in spite of fear. The question is, where do we get that courage? Faith is not about trying harder. A much bigger question than the amount of our faith is the object of our faith. What true faith is, is tapping in the resources of one who does not fear. One who is not limited by space or time. The truth of the matter is the life that we want, the life that we are looking for, is not our own. It's the life of Jesus Christ living in us. That is the life that we need. And we can only truly receive and act on Christ's life when we come to the end of our own. It's not enough for Moses to stand up to the calling that God had on his life. He needed the support of another wife. I'd been married about six months when I started feeling a little bit ill. And it was not for my wife's cooking, which is excellent, I might add. No, there was a problem in my stomach, and I didn't know what it was, you know, stomach bug or something. And it steadily grew worse and worse and worse <clears throat> until I was in huge trouble. In fact, my wife said, should we go to the hospital? And I said, I don't think I can make it to the hospital. And that's when you've got to go to the hospital, right? So we got to the hospital, discovered I had a ruptured appendix. And I was in bad shape. And what happens in a ruptured appendix is all of the poison in your appendix spills out into your inner cavity. In fact, my, my grandfather, who was a doctor, died from a ruptured appendix. You know, back in the day, they really couldn't save you. If your, if your appendix ruptured, good luck. Well, they went ahead and they took out my appendix. But something happens. They sort of have to, you know, sorry for being so gross, they kind of vacuum you out a little bit. And your, your intestines, they go to sleep. It's called the ileus, a paralytic ileus. And your intestines are always working, moving fluids, moving things through, keeping things moving. But the problem is if they stop, things start to build up. And if you're not careful, your intestines will burst and that's how you die. And so what they had to do is they had to intubate me for about 12 days. See, they had to function. You can't have water. You can't have food. You're intubated, and you're hooked up to this little thing that I call the machine. The machine did my eating for me. The machine did my release for me. I walked around with the machine because the machine was my life. Without the machine, I would die. The machine did for me what I could not do for myself see there's a great difference between knowing the path of God and walking in it I've said this before the Christian life isn't difficult the Christian life is impossible we need a new life the life of Christ so when you come to faith in Christ you don't just get faith you get a new life the life of Jesus who takes up residence in in your life. Remember Jesus before he's going to the cross, he was praying and they overheard him praying, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you know me in order that the love you have for them may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The life you've always wanted is not found in a job or a car or a circumstance. The life you've always wanted is found in the person of Jesus Christ who resides inside you if you believe in Christ. See, the truth of the matter is Christians believe some really weird things. As a Christian, we believe that an alien presence has taken up residence in our life, the very life of God himself in the person of Jesus Christ who enables us to live a life that we could not live on our own. A supernatural life. And the life of a Christian is a journey of learning to live anew. Learning to live in dependence on a new person. A new life. And do you know how we learn that? We go to the desert. Just like Moses did. We go and we get weak. So we can learn to lean on the strength of the one that has no limits. Faith is where you stop, and Christ begins. And so I must ask you the question, where is the source of your life? Now, well, you may know all the answers. You may know all the Bible verses, but that's not enough, is it? Is the source of life your own energy, your own strength, your own will, your own power? Or is it the life of God in Jesus Christ within you who gives you the power to stand and to do the things that you need to do. Where do you look to when you need power? Is your Christianity a life of trying harder, or is it a life of trusting harder? The fact of the matter is many of us don't appropriate the power of Christ because we're just too darn capable. We don't need him, he's a helper, but that's about it, you got it covered. Now the life of a Christian is often a life in the desert to teach us faith. So you have to let go of your old life. Are you in the desert right now? Are you in a place where you're just waiting for some things to change? God, when I can get out of this place, then I can finally get to the life that I really want. The life of ease. The life of comfort. That life is not the life that you're looking for. Because in the desert itself is where you come face to face with the one who is truly like, Jesus Christ. And if you lean upon him, you will discover that he is there. Nothing ahead, nothing behind. The steps of faith fall on the seeming void and find the rock beneath. See, when Moses left Egypt, he was Moses' man. But when Moses entered Egypt 40 years later, he was God's man. This brings me to my final point, that if first we must let go of God's plan, our old plan to embrace God's plan. And then we must let go of our life to embrace God's life. We must now let go of our old mission to embrace God's mission for us. See, the story of Moses is a story of leaving and it's a story of coming back. You know the story. I go to the flannel graph again. Moses is out there tending sheep in the desert where he sees a burning bush. Moses, I've heard the suffering of my people and I want you to go back and I want you to... Lead them out. What does Moses say? No way. Moses has no confidence in himself. He knows this thing is going to fail. But God says, I will be with you. I am who I am. And so he goes back. He goes back possibly to a certain death. He goes back into the same issues, the same problems, the same challenges, but he goes back in the power of Christ. Think about it, one man walking into the most powerful kingdom on the face of the earth to deliver a message to God. God said, let these 600,000 people who are your slaves go. Predictably, Moses said, no. (coughs) Moses gets ticked. Moses says to the Israelites, guess what? Because of this guy, you're going to have to make bricks without straw. And you can't even lose your quota. So now, not only is the entire nation of Egypt mad at Moses, but now the entire Israelite nation is mad at Moses as well. What have you done to us, Moses? But we see how Moses responds in a different way. Not with violence. He prays to God. His eyes are on God. How is it that Moses could not crack when the weight of millions stood against him because he trusts in the life of Christ the life of Christ is the life of victory see when you look at Moses life you see you've actually seen that life before haven't you see there was one man that came to earth as a little baby born to a teenager in the middle of nowhere his name was Jesus Christ no title no training, no army, no counselors, who said to the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who invoked the ire of the entire Roman nation against him. Who invoked the ire of the Israelite people, the leadership turning against him. Even at the end, the crowds, who shouted, Hosanna in the highest, said, crucify him, crucify him. And yet Jesus Never waited, even as he stood against the greatest enemy of all, death itself, because he depended on his Father. And so he went into the tomb and he rose again three days later that he might give life to the world. This is the life of faith. Faith is where you stop and Jesus Christ starts. Are you living a life of faith? Or are you simply going through the motions? My suggestion to you that a life of faith, a life trusting in Christ, is the life that you've always been looking for. It's not going to be easy, but God will be with you through it. And you will experience miracles in life as he uses you to do things and be the person that you can never be on your own. Trust in Christ. Take a step. Go to the desert. Learn to rely on the one who is within. And then go back into your life in the power of Christ, looking for Him to give you what you need in your marriage, in your relationships, in your work, in your fears, in your hopes, in your dreams. And you will experience the victorious Christian life. The life of faith is the life of we stuff. Jesus Christ begins. Let's pray.